Welcome to Originality, a podcast where we talk about creativity and the roots of creative expression. I am one of your hosts, Aline Sims, and today I am joined by Kay Tempest Bradford. a challenge for our listeners. I need a word for every episode to describe Tempest. And I've used the obvious ones like amazing and talented and smart and all of those. So what I need you to do is tweet at Originality FM and let us know what words I should use to introduce Tempest because I want to have a new amazing word that I can pronounce every episode. That is my challenge for our listeners. This is a hefty challenge. <laughs> They're going to send us words like loquacious, and then we're going to be like, that word is beautiful, but what does it mean? <laughs> we'll see. I'll, I'll create a file, and I will put all of the words and their definitions in it, and that way I can also track what I use and what I don't use. I'll this be very organized idea. about this. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I probably won't be, but that in my head is how it's going to happen anyway. Um, so Tempest, you talked with our guests this week and this is such a great interview, but will you, will you, uh, talk about, um, talk about our guest? I will. Uh, this week's guest is SJ Tucker. She is a musician, a singer, a fairy witch and a vagabond. And I first came across her and her music when, Catherine Valenti was doing a, a tour for her book. Um, it wasn't her first novel published, but it was one of the like first ones that got a lot of attention, The Orphan's Tales, which is a beautiful, wonderful book. And she did this tour with this musician who wrote songs that went with the book. It was a soundtrack for the book. And I'd only ever seen that done once before. And that was for Stephen Barnes' Lion's Blood. It was a book that had come out actually... Hmm, probably sometime in the late 90s. I think I was still in college when that book came out or maybe the early 2000s. And that book also had a soundtrack by Heather Alexander. And it turns out that Suge and Heather are actually kind of in the same community together. So it was it was all this this stuff coming together and I just loved the idea. So I started, you know, listening to her music. I listened to both of the albums that went with both of the Orphan's Tales books. I listened to her other albums that went with other Cat Valenti books. And then I listened to her albums that she was just putting out in the world. And I was pretty much instantly in love with her work. And I also got to know her a little. So basically, I when we said we were going to do this podcast, she was one of the first people who, in my mind, I was like, oh, man. I get to interview SJ Tucker and talk to her about her music and stuff. Um, so I've, I've rambled on a little bit about why I love her, but I am actually going to give her a little bit of space to introduce herself. My name is SJ Tucker. I am a full-time independent singer-songwriter. I get to drive all over the place and sing jazzy, snazzy, pixie, pirate folk rock of my own devising to people who dig it. And I love the chance to connect with people that my life and my job give to me. It is so nifty to kind of feel like a creative inspired spider in her web, helping nifty people meet other nifty people through music and just being in the right place at the right time. I love it so much. It's its own kind of magic. So yeah, I'm pretty much on board with the fact that she's a magical person. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I have really loved her work. And the other thing that um, first caught my attention about her other than her music was the fact that she was living this sort of vagabond lifestyle in which she just traveled around and sang. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, in just a second. But the first thing I want to do is I want you to listen to one of her songs. And this is not the first song that I ever heard her perform, but it is one of my favorites. This particular version of the song is on the album Myth Creants. Like, not miscreants, but mythcreants. And it is the version that she does with her sometimes band, Tricky Pixie. And so the arrangement is a little more complex than the very first arrangement that I ever heard. And that's, I, that's why I like this version. But it's a song that I feel like encapsulates a lot of what S.J. Tucker is about. And it's called 
alligator in the house. Something odd has moved into the house. Reptilian tracks lead underneath the bed. And all the cats are tasty, fat, and scared. But I don't think we've lost any yet. So what's the big deal? Doesn't everyone have an alligator somewhere, somehow? And maybe this one has always been here, but I never noticed until now. Okay, so this is literally my first time listening to any of her music as far as I'm aware, and that is amazing. That is... I love that song so much. Amazing. (laughs) And it's and it's one of those great songs because it's you know, it tells this story of the alligator moving into the house and it just like builds and builds and builds and builds. And oh man, so if you that is the first song I suggest that anybody who has never heard her music go and listen to is the full version of Alligator in the House. And of course in the show notes we will have links to to all of her music. So yeah, so this uh, hopefully you have gotten a taste of why I love SJ Tucker's music so much. And and so now it's basically not only just like her music, but like her as a person, like she's just this whole package. And when, as I said, when I first met her, she was living a, a vagabond life where mostly she was just on the road, you know, in her car, going from place to place, traveling, singing, uh, performing, earning money from her music. And, and that was a real inspiration to me. And some folks who are listening may know that I am living a vagabond life right now. I don't have any particular permanent address. I go to a city and I live there for three or four months and then I move on. And part of the reason why I'm doing this is because Suj inspired me. So I, w- I asked her, you know, how when she got started doing this, basically, when what started her on this path and... And what was it like to sort of leave her day job behind and just like put everything into doing this? Apart from stating aloud to the universe that I wished that my job could be driving around the country and singing for my friends back when I was uh, working at a job that really, really did not make me happy at all and probably didn't make all that many other people happy either. Uh, I I realized that I could make, I could probably, I would probably be better off and certainly just as well off as I was at the time if I was working for myself as opposed to working for someone else. I had made the decision that what I wanted to do was get out of the day job and go for it with the music and go for it with the touring about 16 months before, or excuse me, about more like 10 months before I walked out of the job. And it was beautiful the way that the timeline went for this because I had gotten everything ready for my CD to go to print. And they called me to tell me that that order was ready to pick up from the printing company on my birthday. So I then called and booked a, uh, a little recital hall for my CD release party for three weeks after that so that I would have time enough to advertise around town and make sure that all the people who actually knew me would have that on their radar so that they could come if they were able. And about a week after that, I gave my two weeks notice at my job. Okay. Talk about a leap. I know, right? That is, that's a huge leap. (laughs) That's a huge leap. And, and one of the things that I I asked her about and 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 she's going to talk a little bit about it in a second is the idea of following your bliss because when she was talking about this it, it reminded me of that and I don't know if you uh have ever read The Power of Myth Aline but it's um sort of the the text uh version of the PBS Bill Moyers Joseph Campbell interview discussion that was sort of like an overview of his whole, you know, career studying mythology and whatnot. And at one point in it, he is talking about how one should follow their bliss, that a person, like whatever it is that you love to do most in the world is the thing that you were put on this earth to do. And so if you just like throw everything, caution to the wind and and go and like follow and do that thing that you love to do, that you know, somehow the universe is going to take care of you. And I I think that he actually did really literally put it that way. The universe will take care of you. Um, and a lot of people rightly 
they look at that idea and they're like, you must be out your damn mind mm-hmm. um, <laughs> to, to say such a thing. But but it is something that Suj actually did mm-hmm. in a way. So so yeah, it's it's definitely a leap, but sometimes I I don't know. How how does it make you feel to hear that she did that and she was just like, bye, gone like, now, bye. That gives me so much anxiety. Um because I am to my core, a person who doesn't deal with change very well. And so it's kind of interesting that this is coming up when it is in my life, this interview with Suj, because um, Justin and I, my husband and I are very seriously talking about moving to Seattle. And I think that we have pretty much decided that it's going to happen. And we're at a stage where we're starting to look kind of at apartments and in areas of the city and, um, space and our house isn't huge our house in phoenix isn't huge especially by phoenix standards it's like 1500 square feet under 1500 square feet but we're looking at places in seattle that are like more for rent than we pay on our mortgage um and they're like 500 square feet and i'm having so much anxiety about going from like having my own office to having a bedroom and a living room and a little tiny bit tiny itty bitty kitchen. Um, in addition to, you know, moving to an area of the world where I've been very little in my life and that kind of thing. And so I'm hearing her talk about, yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> I just kind of printed an album and gave notice at work and off I went. And I was, I don't know. It's like good for you, but holy moly, I don't know. I don't know. I think that you should just live out of your car. I, you should move uh, to no, Seattle. Don't, don't say that. Oh, sh- so <laughs> it's not like he, me. I know no, it's not like he edits the show or anything, but um, he Justin wants to get like a little RV and pack up and go. And I'm just like, no, that is that is not the life for me. I cannot imagine Justin and Aline and two cats in like 200, not even square feet you know, going around the country, relying on a cellular signal for everything. Like, I just can't. It, that gives me anxiety. <laughs> like, I need a base of operations. I I think, I th- I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and, and I think that that is one of the things that um, when I when I tell people about what I'm doing and I'm traveling around, they're just like, whoa, what? You know, for them, they're just like, but I need all my stuff around me. And I was that way for a long time too. I also needed all my stuff around me. And there, I have actually in, in my many bags that I take with me everywhere that have to be under a certain weight so I can get on planes and whatnot. I still probably take too much stuff with me because I'm, (laughs) I'm very invested in my stuff. I love it. Um, and it's, it's really just one of those things where it's, it's not for everybody. It's Mm -hmm. really not. And it's okay that it's not for everybody. I think that that's one of the things that I love about this time that we're living in where being an independent artist is viable is that for the people who that does work for, oh my gosh, like mm-hmm. there, there are opportunities for that in the world. But one of the things that, uh, you know, I, Suj talked about when I was telling her about the, the follow your bliss thing is that even though that's still possible, that doesn't mean that it doesn't take a certain amount of privilege to, to make that happen for yourself. Yeah, when you were talking about it, that's that was one of the things I thought. It's like, well, that's fine if you can, you know, work remotely. Uh, you don't need to, you know, go into an office or go into a factory or go into a school to work, you know, whatever that that is for you. And also just kind of like, I don't know, I... I think a theme that's going to come up as we continue to do episodes is Aline and woo, because um, I I think we had the same general conversation with like Julie talking about Julia Carpenter and, um, you know, the concept of morning pages a couple of episodes ago. And in her book, she talks very much about God and the universe and, and that kind of thing. And I find all of that kind of thing, like the universe will take care of you and all of that, very off-putting. So I I kind of, I feel myself bristling as I hear things like this and thinking, well, yeah, that's, you know, that's fine for for people who have whatever type of privilege that takes. Um, 
And I feel myself shutting down when I hear the ideas and that's something that I need to work on. Like just because someone is presenting this idea to me doesn't mean that I can't listen to it, but I'm still kind of, I don't know. And and, and I get a little defensive. I'm like, well, the universe hasn't taken care of me, but I mean, (laughs) I'm doing okay. Yeah. It's one of the things that it doesn't, I I don't know that Joseph Campbell ever had a conversation with somebody about the amount of privilege that it takes to to follow your bliss. And and I definitely recognize that a lot of the ways in which my life is is set up or was set up before I set out on doing this. Um, and Suj talked about the same thing about the way that her life was set up where you know, she was living in Tennessee, her mother was living, you know, in the same town. She was able to pack up herself, sell some of it, you know, get rid of her apartment. But she had her her mother to take care of her cat. You know, that mm-hmm. that's a big thing. But but she didn't have um, children. You know, the, her only dependent was her cat who she could leave with her mom. Um, and, you know, she had worked out that she could make that money. So so for her, the choice to go on the road was was not so much that she was giving up a whole lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, be, but that was just because of the way that her life was at that point. Not everybody's life at the point where they might want to do something like this or they might want to like throw it all away and follow your bliss is at a point where you can just do that. You know, for me, I freelance. So I can do my job basically from anywhere. I don't have any dependents. I didn't even have cats. Um, I used to have cats, don't have cats anymore. So and I didn't have cats when I was like, okay, let's do this. Um, and another thing was like, in I was living in New York City. So pretty much anywhere else I wanted to go and live, even if I had to pay rent, was going to be cheaper mm-hmm. than living in New York City yeah. and paying rent there. And and that's why it worked out for me to be able to do this. Um, but, you know, I I recognize though that I have a lot of privileges, um, some economic privileges and some just based on how many wonderful people I know who are willing to host me. Like that's a huge privilege mm-hmm. to have. And, and I'm, I'm lucky to have that in my life. So, so yeah, it's as much as I want to just be like, Hey, go out and follow your bliss, do whatever. I also recognize that like, you also have to think about whether or not it is actually viable in your life to do that. Everything's um, trade-offs. Everything is trade-offs. Yeah. But the other thing that, that comes into play with this is, is whether or not um, if you decide to, to throw caution to the wind and, and do what, you know, to follow your bliss and do what you want to do in life is, is whether or not like that's going to align with your creative brain. And so I, I talked to Suj a little bit about this, about like how quickly things fell into place for her creatively once she made this decision. It was amazing. It just instantly, I, I, it really did feel super duper fast. And I don't, I, I might not have been as brave and belligerent as I was in, in the early days if things had not fallen into place as beautifully as they did. And I'm so grateful for it all. The, I think the key to it though, was having a knack for making friends wherever I ended up and being open to having real connections with people and just, just an abundance of trust. I had an abundance of trust, but it did not come back and bite me in the butt. It, it did exactly the opposite. And so the first year that I was on the road, I had um, one full length album out had one full length CD. And I ended up traveling from uh, Tennessee to Indiana and back and over to Kansas and across to Colorado, all the way out to the Pacific Northwest and back home. And making enough money to survive and making what I needed and having the the mantra in my mind that I have what I need and they print more money every day. I can always get more and just hanging onto that and keeping my word and going to a ton of indie music conferences and just soaking everything up like a sponge, uh, having, having a participation, uh, element in every music business phone call seminar thing that I could sign up for and just just learning as fast as I possibly could. Yeah, I think that all of that she was talking about is very important. It's that you have to do the work. I mean, we we say this all the time. You got to do the work. You got to sit down, you got to practice, you got to sit down and write, you got to sit down and do your creative work. But, you know, 
she didn't just go out there and was like, I have an album. That's all I need. La la la. I'm going out on the roads. Like, you know, as she said, she participated in music conferences. She, you know, learned as much about the business as she could as fast as she could. There is always an element of hard work in all of this. Um, and I feel like that's one of the things that maybe isn't as encapsulated in follow your bliss as it should be, which is why a lot of people like sort of push against it because it's not like follow your bliss and work hard. It's follow your bliss. But I feel like that if it's not implied, then it should be, or it, you know, that, or that should be the next sentence. You got to follow your bliss, but you got to make sure that you are doing everything you can to learn about the business that you want to be in, to participate, to, you know, connect with people, because those are the things that are going to keep you going on the path to success at, at doing whatever it is you're trying to do. Yeah. You got to work for it. No matter, no matter what, like if you're listening to the show, you are probably not in a position where you can just sit back and let things happen. You know, it just, there are some people for whom that is reality, but for most of us, it's not. You got to put yourself out there. You have to continue to put yourself out there. And then you have to continue to grow while you are putting yourself out there. And it is hard. It is really, really hard to do all of that at once. It is, but I I have found that it's definitely worth it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because as I was saying, a lot of the reason why I can do what I do is because I have so many amazing friends. And part of the reason why I have so many amazing friends is because I spend a lot of time going to conventions, science fiction conventions, meeting people. Um, I I met a lot of people when I started uh, getting involved in online writing workshops. I met a lot of really great people when I went to Clarion West. And, I, and the reason why I was doing though the conventions anyway, was not necessarily because I was thinking about it like for my career. I was really just looking for other people who loved science fiction and fantasy as much as I love science fiction and fantasy. And so I ended up just like finding this network of really amazing people and not thinking of it as a network or or something that was like good for business, but mostly just thinking about it as I'm looking for other people who love the same things that I do so that I can talk to them about the things that we both love all the time. And that worked out really well for me because now I have all these people who not only are like, yay, we'd love to spend time with you. And yes, you can come and like live in our spaces for this amount of time. But then when I get there, I just, I, I enjoy being with them. I enjoy being with other writers and fans and and people who care about the same stuff that I care about. And so there's like an element of that in, in my stuff too, where I just like put myself out there and, and I was open to having new experiences and meeting new people and, and all of that, like all of that has worked out for me in you know, in the same way, but you know, sort of a different path that it worked out for Suge. And I just want everybody to experience that kind of connectivity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people need community, um, and I think we need people who share interests in that community. Like, I don't have to be – I have friend groups who are more or less interested in things than I am, and that is okay, but you've got to have people you can talk to about things, right? You, you can't just – uh, people don't do well when we kind of float around solitarily. I mean, I guess there are a couple of exceptions to that, but for the most part, we, we have to seek that out or we're going to be miserable. And I'm saying this is a very introverted introvert. So <laughs> yeah, doing the kind of like running out and, and throwing yourself at people be like, Hey, is definitely something that <laughs> either so extroverts do or like people who pretend really well at being mm -hmm. an extrovert like me I pretend extroversion so well and I can turn it on and then I have to turn it off oh yep. my god yep I don't know that I do so well I do like if I have a purpose I do well so if it's something like app camp for girls fundraising you know we we have a party at WWDC the Apple developer conference every year and I can I can play the extrovert at something like that whereas if it's like 
oh yeah, come over to my house and there are like 50 people you don't know and you don't have a reason to talk to them other than like, well, how do you know so-and-so? That's a lot harder for me to 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 do something like I, I need I need a purpose in life and at parties I feel that I feel you so one of the things that I asked SJ Tucker is about keeping her momentum up because so you you say like I'm throwing it all to the wind and you get in your car and you pack up your guitars and your clothes and everything else and you start driving across the country and for me a, a lot of the traveling sometimes pretty much takes a toll on me. Um, And I find this is one of the reasons why I have to go places and stay there for a little while because I need time to sort of settle in. Um, And then sometimes it's a struggle for reasons that have nothing to do with my traveling for like continuing to like push forward with my writing. And so I asked her about, you know, what are the things that she does to, to sort of keep the momentum going? Because basically she lives off of her music. So she has to keep producing. So well, people talk about having uh, having new content periodically, and that's that's been very very important. I have the good fortune to be pretty prolific as far as me and my muse are concerned. I write new songs pretty consistently. It used to be that my output would is would be at least one new tune per month, but since early 2015, I've been participating in a songwriter challenge where we agree to all write one new thing per week to a random prompt. And that was a completely new experience for me, but I nailed it every time and I haven't missed a deadline since. And this is year three of that. So now my content has vastly outstripped my ability to record things quickly. So I'm, I'm having to step up my game in uh, criticizing myself a little bit less hard and also getting my work done in the studio a little bit faster. And that's been tricky because I want to I want to keep that process more complex than it used to be in order to give everybody the shiniest, most beautiful sounding thing that I possibly can. Back in the day, I, 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 my first couple of CDs time in the studio was maybe two weeks, three weeks at the most. And now I just need more time because the idea, the ideas are bigger than they were. The arrangements in my head are bigger than they were. And it's, it's a challenge sometimes to take myself aside and say, Nasuj, do you want this to be perfect or do you want people to hear it before, you know, your next two birthdays have gone by? So making, making those choices is something that I'm getting more practice at. Yeah. I, I feel that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, One of the reasons why I decided with uh, the Patreon, my Patreon is that I was going to give people the rough drafts of my chapters as I wrote them instead of trying to give them polished stuff. And, and that's for a lot of reasons, but one of them is that it takes me forever to write anything anyway. And then it takes me forever to polish. And I hesitated to, to like do my Patreon as a fiction thing because I was like, people will be waiting for the rest of their lives for me to give them, you know, polished stories. Mm -hmm. Um, and and I still am going to need to polish all of the chapters that I post weekly, but just having, knowing that there are people who have paid money to see my rough drafts, which is very clearly stated on my Patreon that these are like drafts, um, so that I can just keep moving forward is, is really valuable. Um, and, and it doesn't mean that I won't polish, but I can, I can understand that impetus where, you know, she has a song and, and she, you know, has written it and she, she has everything down, but she's not putting it out yet because it doesn't have like the backing track and the, and the 15 layers of everything. But quite honestly, sometimes you just want to hear that raw version as well as eventually hear the polished one. Yeah, And the thing that I find so interesting is it really sounds to me like part of what has been very beneficial to her is doing what we have talked about, I think, every episode to date, if not every, almost every, is she practices. And the way she did that was she signed up for something that gave her a deadline and she knew that every seven days she had to have some kind of product at the end of it. And I think I really, the more, more I think about it, the more I, uh, I think I'm coming to terms with, uh, 
creativity is a muscle you have to exercise. Like if, if you let those, I don't know if it's like neuropathways or whatever, uh, you know, kind of go to pot, then you're in trouble. Um, but the good thing is it sounds like if you start practicing again, just like building muscle, you start exercising and lifting heavy things again, you can build those pathways back up just like you can build muscles up. And that's encouraging, I think, is um, you you show up, you do the work. And if you don't, it's not the end of the world. You can you can come back to it. Um, but, you know, if you if you show up, you'll reap rewards, I guess. Yep. There's another secret to her prolificness, which I'm going to let Suj talk about in just a sec. But before we get to that, I want to play another excerpt from one of her songs. Um, This song is another one that's a tricky pixie song um, where Suja's doing the vocals. But I believe that Betsy Tinney, who is on the cello uh, in in this track, is uh, the one who came up with this either the story for this um, or maybe the lyrics. But this was a collaboration between the two of them. Some nights at full moon, the sailors can see her. A misty gray figure glides silently past. But when the storms howl, you can hear her heart weeping and see her blue glow around the mast. Crying, blow your ocean storm, blow. Blow this ship back to the forested shore. Whipping winds bring no life to my lost love And I yearn to see Woodland once more So I think you can see why sometimes Suge prefers to have the, like, complete, you know, <laughs> track version of things. Because, right, it, like, it turns out so beautifully. And, and I love all the instrumentation and stuff in that song. And and the story is just, you know, beautiful and heartbreaking. But, you know, just like her voice is... Her uh, voice! Her voice. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's, that's what we're going to call this episode. Her voice. Her oh, voice. my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. Yeah, it's... She's haunting and... I mean, I'm not, I'm not a singer. Uh, I have done voice lessons and I can tell that, uh, she has a lot of, a lot of practice and a lot of control and just haunting. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's really amazing. Um, so yeah, I want to play this, this clip where, you know, I asked her, you know, what was the secret to her prolificness? Because (laughs) I, I would surely love to be more prolific than I am. Lord, me too. (laughs) Part of it certainly comes from having had support for the creative part of myself from day one. And I know that not everyone has that and that that kind of unconditional support from certainly from family, from friends, from teachers can be super duper rare. And I wish that it were not. I wish that everybody could know how that feels to not really be told, oh, no, you can't write that. That's too weird. That has not, not once has that happened to me in from, it's certainly not from a direction that I would actually pay attention to. There are some people that uh, would, would say that I am, I am a novelty act and they would say it kind of with their noses in the air, but those are not the people that I have to, that I have to please. And part of it is, is practice. Part of it is just practice and practice, not only, not only practice at writing the songs in the first place and thinking about lyrics at all, but practice at giving myself space and trust to do so. My dear friend, Betsy Tinney, who is a songwriter and a cellist based in Seattle, told me many, many years ago when she was just starting to write her own compositions and her own songs, that she wanted her garden to be more like mine in terms of creativity and songwriting. She said, your garden is beautiful and wild but I tend to, to prune mine and cut mine back too often because I'll have an idea and I'll talk myself out of writing about it because I think it's too weird or something like that. I want my garden to be more like yours. This is so important. Mm-hmm. So, so important. And I want to go back a, a little bit to what she was talking about at the beginning about the support um, because she's right. It's, it's pretty rare for a person 
who is a creative person to have like 100% support or like 98% support, you know, through most of their life, you know, there are often obstacles. There are often people who are just like, no, you can't do that. And then of course there's the, the ever popular go to school for something that you can make money at. And maybe you can like do your art on the side. I make so many faces about that (laughs) entire idea. You don't know. Um, But even if that hasn't been true for you, in, you know, the beginning of your life or, you know, uh, your life up until now, one of the best things that you can do for yourself as a creative person, whether you're an artist or, or like you're creative in the technical space or, you know, whatever way that you're creative is to surround yourself with people who will give you that support, who yep. will say to you, like, this is a great idea. You should try that da, 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 and not know or that's not viable or whatever. Yeah, I I will say that I think if I were in any other relationship than the one I have with my husband, like I don't think this podcast would exist. I don't think that less than or equal would have existed. I don't think App Launch Map, my business, would exist. Um because not only has he given me the support I needed. He's also given me pushes when I need them. When we were talking about less than or equal, I was like, well, you know, I I think I want to do this and I don't, you know, I can't think of a name. He was like, I got a name for you. And so I was like, okay, but you know, I I need to build a site. And he's like, I got it. You know, I I, I can do this. And fortunately he's uh, a talented designer and a front end developer. And so he can do, do all of that. Um, None of this would have happened had he not helped me and had he not supported me and had he not encouraged me. Now, that's not to say that other things wouldn't have happened. I can't know what in, you know, the multiverse where I would be without that. But I'm pretty happy with this and I'm incredibly grateful for for that love and support and for people like you know, Mike and Steven, uh, the, the proprietors of Relay FM, when I was like, I have this podcast I think I want to do. I want to do it with Tempest Bradford and it's about creativity. And they were like, that sounds awesome. You know, having those people, a podcast about creativity, I don't know. It doesn't necessarily sound like it would work, but I've had these people who have had faith and encouragement for me and that has done wonders. Yeah. I mean, I I surround myself now with with people who are are able to do that for me and for and people who not only will just like say oh yes you can do the thing or encourage me but will help talk me through yep. the obstacles that are in the way and how I can get around them like just being positive about what can be accomplished and never saying to me like no we can't do that but yeah. instead saying hmm that might be difficult let's think about these ways in which we can get that done um, and I, I am also incredibly lucky to to have had that. And I also have, I will say, a family who, even if they don't understand what is going on with me, <laughs> most of the time they're just like, you're going where? You're yep. doing what? I don't understand you. Um, at the very least, they don't sit around saying to me, like, you can't do that. What mm-hmm. they say is, but we worry that if you do that, you won't be able to do this other thing. And I'm like, I don't care about that other thing. Let's just let's just do this. So. I have that in my life. And, and, you know, like you were saying, it's one of the things that makes it possible for me to feel like, yes, okay, I can do this. I can get this done. I can do these cool podcasts. I can whatever. Um, It's, it's just invaluable. So if you don't have that in your life, I mean, hmm. Well, in, in terms of your romantic partners, I feel like if you feel like your partner does not support you in that way, having a talk with them about how they can actually become supportive of you mm-hmm. seems like it's a good idea because it it doesn't seem like it is a very happy fidelity making prospect to have a partner who doesn't support yeah. you and in that way yep i mean yep. i'm i i don't put myself in relationships for reasons and so therefore <laughs> i don't know how these things work but it just seems well, to me that like having a conversation about that is should be very important in your relationship yeah it's 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 hard it's it's really hard relationships are hard 
know, um, like I can't tell people what to do, but if you're not in a supportive relationship, you need to evaluate that. Um, because, you know, I don't know, I've been in bad relationships and I'm glad I'm not in bad relationships anymore. I'll just, I'll say it like that. Like I've been in abusive and supportive relationships and, um, it sucked and it's, you can't be creative in that or I couldn't be creative in that. There are people who can, um, but I need, I need support and encouragement. Like I have enough doubt in myself and I can't, I can't have a partner who's doubting me. I need, I need someone who's going to lift me up. Yeah. And in terms of friendships, you know, one of the things that's possible to do is to find other people who are at the very least involved in the same creative pursuits that you are Mm -hmm. and, and being able to find support through them. Um, whether it's, you know, finding Facebook groups that are filled with the people who are doing the creative things you're doing, finding local groups that are doing that creative thing, um, you know, searching online for either forums or websites or communities, you know, something along those lines. But I will say that, you know, if you find a group of people who seem to be into the creative thing that you are and, and you start to get involved with them, but you don't feel like they are supportive of you. And that doesn't mean that they're like going to co-sign everything that you do and say, right. yes, everything is great. But, you know, there's a difference between loving support that helps you, you know, through stuff and like criticism that's just meant to tear you down. Being able to to tell the difference between those and to find communities that give you the former rather than the latter, like that is... I think it's doable. And I think that could be a step toward making sure that like in all of your life, you have the the support that you need. Cause like once you find it, you know, and, and have it in one area of your life, you, I feel like you start to demand it in other areas of your life. Yeah, I totally agree. And just to, to second that, you know, online communities, they're not perfect. I will never, ever, ever tell you that Twitter and Facebook and other social media any of it is perfect and that the communities there are perfect uh, because they're not right. We, we all know they're not, but they can be a good jumping off point. And I will say like my best friend, we met on Twitter, like my real life best friend. We met on Twitter. I met my husband on the internet. Like I've had very good luck with that. I think part of that is because I am very, um, I am not shy about cutting people out when I need to, Like I, I'm just not. So if there's somebody who is uh, treating me poorly, I notice that I feel bad every time I talk to them. Uh, they're always cutting down my ideas. They're never offering me suggestions for improvement. They're never offering me feedback. They're never uh, saying, hey, good job on that thing. I really liked the way you did whatever. Like if I'm not getting what I need from them emotionally, and that's what I need from people. I don't need people to tell me I'm perfect. I need people to tell me when I'm wrong. I need people to tell me when I can do better. But I also need people who are doing that with the intent of lifting me up um, and and helping me be better and not tearing me down. And I, I have no qualms about like blocking people that I have known very well for a long time because I just, I can't live my life like that. That's my pro tip for the internet. Block people. Block people when you need to. I mean, self-care is Mm -hmm. incredibly important in all aspects of life. Um, But I think it is particularly important to creative people because like Suj was saying, you know, you have to create space for yourself. You have to create space for a garden to just be in riotous bloom, you know, um, instead of sort of pruning back and and saying, oh, I can't do that. Or, oh, that that's a sucky idea. I'm not even going to pursue that. But the in order to be able to do that, you have to give yourself, um, you know, you have to put self-care first. You have to make it a, a key aspect of your life to that you are going to take care of yourself. Yep. Um, and I think my mantra has become try it and see, you know, if you're thinking about this seems weird, should I do it? Try it and see what happens. Like what is the worst thing that's going to happen? If you're not doing, you know, like a jackass type stunt or whatever, 
like if you're writing, if if you're drawing, if you're painting, if you're acting, if you're programming, developing an app, try it and see what happens. What's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to lose a day or two of work, a week of work, but you're going to learn from that experience. It's not like you're you're losing. It's not a net loss if you try something weird or unusual and it doesn't work out because then you know and you know how you can maybe adapt it to make it work better. So that is my, what I try to tell people when they're like, should I is try it and see what happens? What's the worst that's going to happen if you try it and it's unsuccessful? Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's again where, where practice comes in is that you yeah. get to do experimental stuff in a space where it doesn't matter if that experimental stuff doesn't work out the first time. That's what practice is for. Yep. So as she mentioned, um, Suge pretty much does a lot of the stuff, um, all of her music stuff on her own. Uh, obviously, she does have some help, but, you know, because she's an independent artist, um, a lot of the the weight of you know, getting, you know, the songs like recorded and arranged and then marketing and all that stuff, you know, it's, it's all on her. And so, um, I, I talked to her a little bit about how she tries to keep a balance, um, between like being the person who does it all and like letting things go. Because I'm at the point where that so many of us are in, in the indie music world now of, not only being the the creator, but also the the recording engineer and the producer for myself. So I have all of these hats that I'm wearing. And I get caught up sometimes in the idea that it's not going to be good enough unless I do all of the hard work by myself. And I think a lot of us creatives, especially those of us who <laughs> who were an only child, uh, get get stuck at that because we have all this independence with nowhere to put it. And so we, we, we tend to sabotage our, sabotage ourselves on occasion, but what will this, what will this song, for instance, what will this song give to people in its current state? If it sounds just as it is when it's just me and the guitar and not the whole huge 24 track arrangement that I have in my head, will it, will it have as much of a sweet effect? Will it help as many people if I just let it go the way that it is? Nine times out of ten, the answer is yes. So I have to, I have to rein myself in and not be a bulldog about making things perfect, in order to get the content out there where people can hear it. But I circumvented that issue last year by going ahead and releasing all of the demos that I wrote for that songwriting challenge in 2015, and the response for that was super duper positive, and people are still showing up every once in a while to order the the full thing, the full 52 songs even as rough as they are. And I'm very, very happy that that's happening because that means that people are hearing them a lot faster than they would be if I forced myself or allowed myself rather to hold up with those and just make them perfect. And I know that so many people have trouble getting, uh, getting that level of output. So I'm, I'm really grateful that my muse has allowed me to be so prolific and that she has a sense of humor about it too. Man, I want my muse to let me be that <laughs> prolific. It's amazing. So, so can we go like to the front and talk about being an only child and having to do everything for yourself? Because that is me. Not only that, I'm an only child raised by a single mother. So it's like, and we were poor. So it's like you, you have to do everything for yourself because you don't have money to do for anything else. And like your sibling, you don't have a sibling to like learn how to share things with, um, or help you do things as you're growing up. It's like you and your mom who works a lot. And, uh, I struggle with that as much as I'm grateful for Justin and everything that he's done for me. It is kind of a point of contention in our marriage sometimes that I'm just like, no, I've got to do this thing and I have to do it on my own. And he's like, why? Because I have to. I just have to. Because of reasons. Because. <laughs> so when she said that, it was like, hey, I, I recognize myself in that statement. Yeah, I I often get into that mindset of, well, I can't let anybody else do this because if I let anybody else do this, they're not going to do it the way that I would have done it. And the way that I'm going to do it is best. And so therefore, it's really hard to delegate. <laughs> it's really hard to delegate. It's and very I think hard. That sense of ownership. I know um, Jason Snell, who has uh, 
a couple of podcasts on Relay FM. He also has his own podcasting network called The Incomparable, and I, I'm on there sometimes. And um, as The Incomparable has grown, um, he used to edit everything that went up on that whole entire network. And as it's grown, he's like, I can't do this. But I think that letting go of control of editing has been really, really hard for him. It's something that he's talked about on uh, probably like Free Agents, which I'll link to in the show notes. But like that kind of that letting go to is a little bit hard. That perfectionism, I'm going to do it exactly the way I want it to. I never do things exactly the way I want them to be. You know, like that's never the end result as much as I fool myself about it. The only thing that I am ever like, yes, I have all the control and this is perfect is when I edit video. Like I, I have some intermittent videos on my uh, YouTube channel and one of them is a series that was going to be monthly, but haha, that's not how it worked out. Um, called you done effed up i won't make justin bleep me again because there was so much bleeping in a previous episode people Um, like the bleeping i will say people like bleeping that's true um but yeah so in in that series it was just me like talking about like you know some some media properties that have effed up and a lot of the reason why it's as funny and fun as it is is because i utilize the jump cut a lot a lot. There's so much that I cut out of all those videos, but that's also one of the reasons why there are only two of them because it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And and it's not work that I feel like I can let go to someone else because I feel like you would have to have my exact same sensibility of what I think is the the best timing to be the funniest. Um and you know, but I feel like that that person would have to have my brain in order to like get what I think would be the funniest thing. Well, what you do is you clone yourself and... Oh, right. Cloning. I forgot yeah. all about that as a choice. Yep. Gotta love cloning. But yeah, I I feel that. But at the same time, sometimes you are all you have. You know, um, mm-hmm. I think about people who are independent authors who have to put together you know, the the print version of the book and the ebook and upload it to Amazon or, you know, whatever platforms and and have, you know, a certain amount of control over how everything looks or people will complain. And, and my friend, uh, author Alethea Contis, she's a hybrid author because she she's done some traditional publishing. She's also done some self-publishing. And she just works so hard. And, you know, she does... Um, audiobooks as well as like putting out the the ebooks and the paperback books of her stuff herself and and I just watch like all the things that she does but at the same time she is very smart about finding the the places in the process where she doesn't have to do all the work where she can release it to somebody else you know hiring those people that's another thing because that again takes money and whatnot mm-hmm. but I think that that she has found a, a good balance of what she has to do herself, what she can let other people do. Um, so she's one of my, my templates. I admire her a lot. That's awesome. It's um, yeah, it's hard. And it takes a lot of trial and error, I think, to figure out how and who and when and like all of that is, it's really complicated and you're not going to get it as with everything else. You're not going to get it right the first time, but you'll learn as you go through these processes. Yeah. Well, I want to play one last song for you, um, Asuja's. This one is uh, called Cheshire Kitten. Uh, as you may be able to guess, it has something to do with Alice in Wonderland. Uh, it's, it's another one of my favorite songs of hers. Heavy is the burden of the wise ones When no one understands a word they say The Jabberwock never bothered anyone but nobody believes him to this day Hey, and why should they If I leave my grin behind, remind me That we're all mad here, and it's okay I love that song so much <laughs> I'm so glad we're doing this because I'm going to go buy her stuff and listen to all of it you hear all the songs, all of them. And what's really great is that a lot of her music, um, you can, you know, play a preview of it if you uh, before you buy it. But then, like, for instance, on Google Play, if you uh, 
are a member of Google Play Music where, you know, you pay the whatever many dollars a month in order to get unlimited access to all the songs, you can listen to all of her music, like, well, not all of it, but the majority of her music is on Google Play available just to listen, you know, streaming uh, as part of the unlimited package, which I I believe is true for, for other music services of that type, you know, Pandora and whatnot. Um, so you are able to sort of listen to more of her songs or, or get at least a preview. And she also has a lot of music that is up on her website. Some of it is available to download for free or available just to listen to for free before you buy. Um, she also has, you know, a YouTube channel. She gives free online concerts and basically, she's just always looking for ways to draw you in with her beautiful voice. So you don't have to say, like, I, I don't know if I want to spend money on that. You can go listen, and then you're going to want to spend money on it. Yep. And I'm I checked pretty sure. Apple Music, same, same deal. It looks like a lot of her stuff is up on there, too. So it makes it accessible for a lot of people. Uh, I'm looking at her website right now to see if she has, like, a Patreon or something so that if people want to like stream the music and still support her more substantially if she can. And I'm not sure that she does. No, it's it mostly it's just um, you know, buying her stuff because okay. because she's an independent artist, when you buy her stuff, you're pretty much just like giving her money directly. You know, the she's on um CD Baby and Bandcamp, I think a couple other places. And if you buy her CD through those things, they take a cut, but you're buying it from her. Right. You know, she's not associated with uh, a particular label. label or whatnot. And and I think that that is, it's so great that she's able to do that because, again, not everybody has the ability to, like, make that work for them because it's not just that she's, you know, writing the songs and recording them, but she also has to, like, get the word out there about them. She has to go out into the world and play at festivals and and learn the business and learn how to make sure that her music gets in front of folks. Like, it's a whole, you know, process. But in the end, she is then able to say, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put this out there and you can just buy it and you can give me money and and support me in that way. And I'll give you some stuff for free so that you can become interested or, or re-engage with my work. So I feel like she is a model for how to do this kind of thing well. Um, but it is very important to realize that it's not just like fairy dust and dreams. It's, right. it's work that she has put in. Um, and, and it's paid off for her in a really big way. Very cool. So my conversation with Suj actually ranged across a lot of different things. But the reason why I wanted to talk to her initially is because I wanted to discuss collaboration with her. As I mentioned at the opening of the episode, she has collaborated with uh, Catherine Valenti, who is an author, to create music that's based on her books. And so um, we had a whole section of this conversation that was about collaboration. And I thought, well, let's have a whole episode about collaboration which will be the next one. So uh, next episode, we're going to be continuing our discussion with SJ Tucker. There's going to be more music. I will play more of her beautiful, awesome music for you, um, where she talks about the collaboration she's had with with Kat, with other musicians, uh, everything along those lines, and, and what that has done for her creatively. Because I think that collaboration is something that a lot of people uh, consider, but maybe a little hesitant about. So we'll talk about that next time. I'm really looking forward to it. This was so much fun. I loved having kind of some music breaks in here. Music is food for the soul. Ooh. Well, we've got a couple of weeks until that episode goes up. So we should probably tell people where they can find Suj in the meantime. Yeah, so you can find basically the hub of everything for her on sjtucker.com. Um, and that will give you links to all the places where you can buy her music, where you can listen to her music. Um, you can also follow her on social media. On Twitter, she's Suj, that's S-0-0-J, instead of O's, there's zeros. Um, so at Suj, which I think is amazing. Um, and then on Facebook, I think if you search for SJ Tucker, you can, you'll either come across her Facebook page or her actual Facebook profile, um, both of which I think are followable. Yeah, is that a word? I think it's a word. Yeah, it absolutely is. 
awesome because words are my my business. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, but you can you can find all of this by simply going to her website. But yeah, I definitely suggest following her on social media because again, you'll be able to get notifications when she is doing a concert and she's gone live, um, what she's up to. She's always you know, touring, even though she's not quite the vagabond now that she used to be like, she does now have um, a permanent home where she returns to more often. She is still one of the most hardworking touring, going out and, and getting in front of the people, musicians that, you know, indie musicians that I know. So go and check out like when her concerts are going to be or what festival she's going to be at. And if she is coming to your town, near town, highly highly suggest that you go and listen. Yay. Well, um, until the next episode, uh, Tempest, how do we close this thing? <laughs> Jesus. We close it. Haphazardly. Haphazardly. Oh, we have, we still don't have a closing for the show. We it's don't. amazing. No. All right. Uh, so, so uh, I will, I say to thee, I challenge you to be creative that's terrible Mm, i challenge (laughs) oh my word all right well in any event um i am aline you can find me on twitter at aline that's a-l-e-e-n i am as always joined in this haphazard thing we call originality by k tempest bradford and you can find her on twitter uh at tiny tempest you can find the show at originality f and uh, I do have a request if you're enjoying the show tell people about it Um, I've done a lot of informal research about how podcasts and you know other things grow and the number one answer I'm getting from people is I heard about this show or this you know, website or whatever from a friend, they recommended it. So if you're enjoying originality, let your friends know. Um, You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Uh, We would greatly appreciate it. And I guess until next time, we'll see you later. Stay original, people. (laughs) Stay original. (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, dear.